Thank you. Well, the Bible reading is taken from Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 1. And we're reading up to verse 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with all the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you, about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Well, we're going to keep those that passage open. If you've got a Bible open, that'd be great. And uh, it's great, isn't it, to join, to study this word together. But let me pray as I begin. Lord, this is our prayer today, that as a result of sitting under your word, that our love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that we may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless on the day of Christ. Father, we do pray for this earnestly, that you'll do a work in our hearts, and Father, that uh, you would encourage our koinonia, our partnership, and we pray all this to the glory and praise of your holy name. Amen. Well, I wonder what we are praying for when we pray for one another. Perhaps when we uh, meet at home, uh, maybe praying with someone else at home or on our own, or in our prayer triplet if we're in one, or in our grow groups, um, at the church prayer meeting, or as we sit down to pray for missionaries. Uh, what are we praying for those people? What, what words are we using? What do we want for them? Well, I hope this passage will help us uh, as we work at our prayer life. Last week, we explored the opening verses of this wonderful letter. And Paul write, is writing to the Philippian Christians. And we learned that word koinonia, didn't we? K-O-N-O-N-I-A, koinonia, uh, meaning partnership or fellowship learning that 
we, we saw that it meant striving side by side for the same goal, an active pursuit of gospel advancement, that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ would be known and cherished. And verse three, Paul is praising God with great joy. And he's doing so because the church that he had started 10 years before was still going strong in the Lord Jesus Christ. It was sticking with him. They had genuine life spending faith in the Lord Jesus. And he knew it because the proof was in their koinonia, their partnership with Paul. Now, Paul was a marked man. The authorities wanted him dead. But this church gladly and joyously stood with him, supporting him in his gospel work, showing that they loved him, sending money and that sort of thing. They were showing koinonia. But Paul's heart is really bursting, verse 6. It's bursting because this koinonia shows that God has kept them all this time and will keep them to the end. And Paul can't contain himself. And as we look at verse 7 to 11, we see two things. Firstly, a partnership of love, verse 7 and 8. And secondly, a prayer of love, verse 9 to 11. So let's look at a partnership of love. Love has to be at the root of our partnership here at St Paul's. Later in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 17, Paul says, follow my example. Well, that's easier said than done, especially when you see his example in verse 7 and 8. He's overwhelmed. His heart is pounding for these Christians. And it feels gushing. It feels sort of awkward for us stiff upper lip people. Uh, Philippians have demonstrated gospel partnership, gospel love. They've stuck with Paul. They've shared with him, verse 7, in that hard work of declaring the gospel. Uh, whether I am in chains, verse 7, or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share, partner in God's grace with me. Imitating Paul, they'd shown their faith was at work among their friends, perhaps inviting their neighbours to Christianity Explored or getting their friends to come and listen to a sermon by Paul. They had partnered in the gospel work and perhaps inviting their neighbours around to give them the gospel. But verse 7, they also share in Paul's chains. And we see the same at the end of the chapter, in verse 29, his sufferings. They've lost friends because of their faith sharing, perhaps. Perhaps they've been kicked out of societies and clubs for their strange views, or lost their jobs, or even their homes, because they stood uh, with Paul for the Lord Jesus. They were on the watch list at the local police station. And Paul sees this great and deep bond between them, and he overflows, his heart overflows for them here. And that means it's much more than a business partnership, isn't it? This is heart and soul stuff. Verse 7, he defends it. It is right for me to feel this way. I love you this much, and that's a right thing to do. All the key parts of who he is loves them. Uh, it affects his mind in verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about you. That word feel is actually think. His mind is love as he thinks on these, on these Philippians. It's his mind. It also affects his heart. It is right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. He carries them around in his affections. In fact, his very being, this is the next thing, his guts are involved. 
they're churned up for him, verse 8. That's what this word means when it says, God can testify how I long um, for you with the affections of Christ Jesus. This deep longing involves the entrails of a person. Oh, sorry about that. But his very guts are churning up, uh, tying in knots for these Christians. And it's with the affection of Christ Jesus. So his guts are in knots like Jesus's. This is how much I love you, says Paul, with the mind, the heart and the guts of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we should not be that surprised or embarrassed by his outpouring because Paul is natural. It's, he is in Christ as the Philippians are. This is part of what it means to be in Christ. Paul in Christ shares Christ's affections. And as a genuine church in Christ, uh, we, St Paul's, will want to see such affections stirred up in us. And that's the theme of this letter. You only have to go to the next chapter in verse five of chapter two to see that we are to have the mind of Christ, humbling ourselves, loving one another as Christ has loved us, laying his life down for us. We lay our life down for each other, living for the benefit of others. So Paul is demonstrating a partnership of love, our first lesson. But secondly, a prayer of love, verse 9 to 11. So a sure sign of this partnership, of this, of this love, is that we pray. It's, a, it's natural, isn't it, in the, such a partnership? Um, and Paul is full of prayer, verse 4. Uh, he prays again and again. And here in verse 9 and 11, we have this amazing prayer um, that is a model. It, has, it has, does two things. It's a wonderful model for our prayers so that we can pray more pointedly for each other. But also um, it provides a great big clue as to why Paul wrote this letter, what he truly wants for these Philippians. And he's praying it. So if you're stuck about what the letter is about, this prayer is a good place to start. So let's uh, see as we take a closer look at the prayer. Verse 9 to 11 is, one of, is a very long sentence, but it's full of gold. Let me read it. But it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Well, you can see the logical progression, can't you? Verse 9, the, the content of the prayer, Paul has spoken of his affection for them. Now he prays that this love may abound more and more, increase, get bigger. And verse 10, we see the purpose of the prayer, that his love would lead to better decisions. In order to be pure, that's the inside, uh, how God views us, and blameless, how the outside views us. Why? Why do we appear like this? Well, then we see the goal, don't we? Verse 10 and 11, so that we are ready for the day of Christ when Jesus comes to judge the world. And that day is actually on view in, in all of this letter. He comes out again and again. And a goal he himself is straining towards, as Paul writes, he wants that goal of, of the day of Christ. And that's when our fruit, verse 11, will be on show for all to see like a, like a market stall. 
And Paul is longing for them to be ready, ready for heaven, ready for Jesus's return. And then verse 11, the ultimate aim of the prayer. In fact, the ultimate aim of our Christian lives to the glory and praise of God. As all our fruit has been put on display, those right things that we do for the Lord Jesus uh, is all to his glory. And then Jesus comes to gather the harvest. So let's look at the content of Paul's prayer. How they will, how will they glorify God being ready for Jesus's return? Well, Paul firstly prays that their love would abound more and more. Verse nine, that they grow in their loving. And that's love for God and love for each other. Not gushy sort of sentimental feelings only sort of love, but gospel partnership love. Their love is not to be mediocre or um, a bare minimum love, but worked at, increased, kept going. Yes, love as you have been loving, says Paul, but I want you to do it more and more, adding layer upon layer, straining forward to love more. This is the sort of love um, that crosses hills and valleys to deliver a money bag to Paul. Uh, costing your health type love. And that we'll see that in chapter two with Epaphroditus. It's the sort of love that Lydia and the jailer displayed in Acts chapter 16 at the planting of this church. When on conversion, they immediately opened their homes to Paul and his friends. This is a love that increasingly says, come in. Come in, I love you and I want to serve you. It's Paul's love of verse seven to eight, involving mind and heart and guts. In fact, it is the love that crossed from heaven to earth, who lost his life on the cross so that we may know forgiveness of sins and life everlasting with the Lord God who loves us. It's that love and we don't sit still in it, says Paul. I want you to increase more and more to get ready for that day. And then Paul prays that love with knowledge and depth of insight, verse nine. Well, that's not the sort of thing you'd write on a Valentine's card, is it? That you love with knowledge and depth of insight. But Paul wants them to love more and more in knowledge. And this is the knowledge of the things of God, of who God is, his character. At the prayer meeting on Wednesday, we were exploring the names of God, what they mean and how that drives us to know God more, love him more and know how to pray more. It's to know what our salvation means in Christ, because knowing God more and more will lead to loving him more and more and his people more and more and his purposes more and more. This is a lifetime study in the school of grace. Now, some of you might be looking forward to finishing school um, when you get to 18 or whatever, or even finishing university. But Christians, we're never to leave this school, this school of grace, uh, but we're always to be growing in knowledge and so growing in love. So that's the knowledge. Um, but what about the second thing, the depth of insight? Well, that goes side by side with knowledge, because it's possible to have lots of knowledge of God, how to love and so on, um, all in our heads. 
but it's possible not to put it into practice. So this depth of insight is the outworking of the knowledge. This is the obedient stuff. This is the loving sacrificially. This is, I've done it, haven't I? Rolled up my sleeves sort of love. Uh, it's just getting on and doing it. So as I grow in my understanding of God, um, it must increase my love and, and want to do that. I don't leave it there. I have the insight, the wisdom to know what to do with it, to how to love God and others. So this love that abounds more and more is not an aimless love splurging out all over the place. It's a love held together by these two controlling pillars, uh, knowledge and depth of insight. It's, a, it, it's, um, it's like poles in the vicarage garden. Um, Liz Buttle teaching us how to grow broad beans uh, would say that you need a pole for the, the beans to train up, otherwise they'll just go all over the place and not grow very well. Well, if we want to uh, love rightly, it's a directed love, a love tied to knowledge and a depth of insight, a deepening insight, sustaining and driving forward our gospel koinonia, our partnership as a church. Our love of God grows as we know him more and more, and that spills out into our love and service of one another. It means that we're prepared to put up with each other more, um, even when it's difficult. Uh, it means that we're to look out for each other more, to support each other, to go the extra mile, to encourage someone. Uh, in some of the ways that we're thinking about last week when we're exploring koinonia, and we do this all to the glory of God. But also, if you notice in our progression, they're to love more and more by increasingly making the best choices, verse 10. Now, this is a weird way of loving more, isn't it? This is a weird way of expressing our love. Well, look at verse 10. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless. Remember, our goal here is to bring glory to God. Well, Paul prays that this comes through loving Jesus and others more and more uh, with our daily decision making, whether it's big or small. And the word discern here is another wisdom word. It means to work out what is best, what is excellent. Now, this isn't about choosing between right and wrong. Um, you know, when there's a choice between the right course of action and the wrong course of action, Paul isn't praying that they discern that, um, whether to lie and steal or whether to not lie and steal. That, he's not asking for that, whether we honour our parents or not. No, because that's clear in the Bible. We don't need to discern that and be wise about that. It's, it's in front of us. We know right and wrong. Um, we know we just need to be obedient. So this is not about that. This is about choosing what is best, the most excellent way when we go about our daily lives. Daily, we are faced with multiple decisions, what we do with our time, what we do with our money, our energy, decisions that are sometimes hard to work out what the best way, what thing to do is. Sometimes we want God just to show us what we should do. There's all sorts of things. Um, for example, this afternoon, I could use it to rest, to watch the television. Or I could go and visit Mrs. Miggins, who's unwell or lonely. Or I could take the children out for a walk. Now, seeing Mrs. Miggins sounds like the most worthy or the most important thing to do. 
but it might be that I need to rest to recharge the batteries. And it might be that TV or some sort of hobby is the best way of doing that. Because if I go and see Mrs. Miggins, I might get overtired and then not be on great form when I go to help with the youth Bible study later on this evening and therefore let people down. So it's about discerning what is right and good. It might be that I've not seen the children for a couple of days and I need to focus on them a little bit. Um, well, Paul prays that the Philippians are to love more and more by increasingly making the right choices, the best choices, uh, knowing what to do best when different options present themselves. And it's the sort of thing that happened in Luke 10, if you remember that, Martha and Mary, um, they're entertaining Jesus. Martha cooks a wonderful meal. She does, she's working really hard, doing a great thing. But Jesus says it wasn't the best thing. Mary chose the best thing, and that was at that point to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his words. So our lives are full of such decisions about our time and how we spend it. Some of us might spend too much time watching television or too much time on our laptops or, or, or computer games. Um, and we fail to help mum with the drying up or fail to tidy our rooms or phone Nan or read that Christian book. Um, sometimes we, we do choose poorly. It might not be a, a, an evil thing we've chosen, but we, we fail to look after someone. And it's the same with our money and how we spend it. How much do I give to the church? To that missionary organization how much do i keep back for my my groceries my daily living how much do i spend on a holiday well, it's so often not black and white and here we're praying for one another for that discerning process built on this desire to love god and his people more and more perhaps later on at the 4 p.m or in grow groups or at home we can spend a bit more time thinking about what this might mean as the heart of the passage is love. It's a partnership of love, verse 7 and 8, and a prayer of love, verse 9 to 11. And the Christian life is a daily striving forward in our love and knowledge of God. So, and we look see this at the end of chapter 1 and verse 27, we stand firm, we're ready with that fruit on display on the day of Jesus Christ. And this daily growth will affect our partnership in the most wonderful of ways. And so we pray this for one another. And that's today's take home challenge, actually. Less about loving one another more and more, which, of course, is a lesson that we learn. The challenge is there. But to commit to praying for one another to do that. And that we would love more and more, that we would increasingly choose the best things, the most excellent way as we go about our Christian lives in order to love God and love each other more. Um, praying that we wouldn't turn to the left or the right, but keep going, keep growing, that we would be pure and blameless on the day of Christ. And yes, of course, we pray for our presenting needs, for, for healing, for those sadnesses, for exams and so on. But can our prayers at Grow Group, in our triplet, at home, at the prayer meeting, uh, can they be more like this prayer? Um, as we pray for our God children, can our prayers be like this? For our spark-like children, can they be governed by Paul's prayer that their love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight? 
that our love, that our discernment of what is best will grow, that we will be pure and blameless on the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. And why would we work harder at praying these things for one another? Well, verse 11 again, to the glory and praise of God. Well, let's pray for that now. Let me pray. Let's pray. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen.